extraordinary being movement where we inspire you to take action, influence you to create change, and motivate you for success. This is your host and coach, Lenny Carmine here, and I have an awesome, awesome talk presenter, speaker, author. This man is absolutely amazing. I'm just tongue-tied, just talking about it, thinking about the type of show that we're going to bring you tonight. This man has just made, he realized the impact of his mindset on him, the impact it had on his family, and the changes that he did to make his life completely different. I have him in here tonight with us in the studio. But before I move any further, I have to introduce my two favorite co-hosts. Some days I like them, some days I don't, but they're always here with me. I have the one and only Christopher Shiver. Chris, how are you tonight? Hey guys, today he does not like me at all. You never know. <laughs> By the end of the show, we might I might find some forgiveness for you. Oh, great. Oh, dude, I need some forgiveness, please. <laughs> and we have Fred Martinez. Fred, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. You always put Chris first over me. So, you know, is this subconscious that you're putting this out, that you like Chris over me? It's beauty before age. I'm sorry, Fred. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, let's not wait any longer here with this nonsense and introduce our guest. Our guest tonight is Gavin Searless. Did I say that right? I'll go with that. It's Gavin Searles. All right, Searles. perfect. I, every time I do a show, I mess up a name. I don't know why I look at it. I see it in front of me. I still, it's all the excitement. It's exciting to have everybody here tonight, Gavin. Now, I like to open up the show every once in a while with an icebreaker. So I'm going to throw this at you. What's one thing that you can share with us in the audience that nobody else knows about? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, no one else in the world or very, 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 very few people? We'll go with very few people. Okay, let's do that one. I, my uh, first time I ever got drunk, I was 38 years old. Wow. Yeah. You. Well, I don't know about that. because Well, I you waited that long to be safe. Well, I probably would have been a little bit more enjoyable to be around at certain parties if I had. However, <laughs> um, I just made sure my friends did not have any cameras out um, shooting when I was drunk. So I was 38 years old, first time I ever got drunk. So, so it was last week, basically. <laughs> That's right, I wish. I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Corona was tough for everyone. We hear That's you. Right. So true. So true. That's Although you can, right. you could you can find Corona everywhere, just not other forms of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Gavin, you don't mind me asking, why did you wait so long? So, part of it was the way I was raised, very ultra religious, um, a feel of need to you know, make sure I wasn't disappointing uh, God, disappointing my parents, disappointing the church, religion, that kind of thing. So that's that's where it started. No, okay, no, I totally get that. Now, I, I have another interesting thing here I see about you. You that you used to live in Thailand. Yes. How'd you get yourself over there? So my parents were missionaries, and they were, they were evangelical missionaries. They moved over there in 1978 or 79, I believe. So I was three or four. Um, so I don't ever remember speaking English growing up. It was always Thai. So my wow. first language um, speaking was Thai. So I speak, I read it, I write it fluently. Um, I graduated from a Thai school, um, so I lived in Thailand for about 30 years. Um, I did come back for college, met my wife, um, and then we moved back to Thailand for another 11 years on top of that. Wow. 
Wow, that's pretty amazing. Other than, do, do you speak any other languages other than English at this point? No, so, was, so I started with Thai, then because in Thailand, where we were living, has a mixed dialect of Laotian mm. and Thai, which is called Puan. And so there was a little bit of that, a little bit of Chinese um, because of that area. Um, so what's really funny about that is that when I first came back to the U.S. for college, I had a very thick Asian accent. Huh. Um, so when I first came back, I would speak like this all the time. <laughs> and people thought I was mocking, you know, the Thai language. I'm like, no, this is how I speak. And uh, so it wasn't until probably my second year of college, I met my wife who's from Minnesota. I went to school in Florida. So I had kind of like a Southern and then like a Minnesotan accent mixed in there. <laughs> and so- uh, Oh, I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall to hear that conversation. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty crazy. And then we, what's funny is then we went back to Thailand. I got it all back. And now when my, my kids, when my kids go back with me, they, or my wife and kids go back with me, they'll hear a little bit of that Thai accent come out and they're like, dad, please stop talking. <laughs> they think it's the funniest thing in the world. So. No, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing that you got to experience life that way, learn that entire language and come back to the U S learn how to speak English and then drop the, drop the accent a bit. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Do you kid, do your kids speak Thai? Did you no. So Garrett did it first. My oldest, who's now 17, he did. Um, and he could understand it really well. Mm. Um, however, the other ones were so young. Um, one of them was just born. Okay. So I have a, th I have a 13 year old and a 12 year old. So I have a 17, 13 and 12 and 11. So um, they, you know, no, it's, you'd have to like be immersed in it because it's a tonal language. Sure. So you have, you know, one words, spoken four different tones it goes into four different words so four different meanings so that's very difficult for someone who is not a part of that language um to understand so yeah there's definitely um there, there's studies out there they talk about people who grew up in other countries immersed in other countries cultures that are technically not what they're used to and then going back but also they also say that it gives you like a huge um What's the right word? Like a more, more of a broader perspective on life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's part of the, the there was a like a thought that I had, like what was the point of growing up in Thailand? Um, I thought I would live there the rest of my life. My oldest son was diagnosed with type one diabetes, which, which influenced us having to live here in the US. Um, however, the, the broad scope that I have as far as understanding culture, um, understanding other people's culture, being more open-minded to even my own, which is an American culture. Um, <laughs> right, 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 right. Whether it's in Florida, Minnesota, you know, now Arizona, um, and having visited all states except for Hawaii, like there's an appreciation for it. And I go in always being open to learning that culture, no matter what it is. So it definitely helps for sure. No, that's, that's fantastic that you got that opportunity. Now, you still have a very colorful life, you know, life when you, that I know of, I mean, you're also a pastor, you're also a law enforcement officer. Did you almost, did you run for state Senate as well? I did, actually, I did. Um, I, when, I did, I know it's crazy. This guy's um, amazing. I've always, my, my whole goal from the time I was very, very young was I believe that I had a greater purpose. I wasn't sure what that was. 
unfortunately at the time, my purpose was wrapped in the approval of other people, <clears throat> whether it's my dad, um, friends of ours, my mom, coaches, teachers. And so that led to me like basically going on a search of what is, what is it that's going to fulfill me? And so even though I grew up in the church, you know, I was taught that either directly or indirectly that the answer is to be in service. So to be in quote unquote ministry. And so went to seminary, which is where I met my wife. And then we went back to Thailand as missionaries. Um, and very, very quickly, I realized that what my parents were doing, it just didn't fit me. Um, so then I pastored an international church in Bangkok, which was made up of about 13 different denominations in 12 different countries. Um, and then right about just before then the tsunami happened. And so we raised, we came, I came back to the U S raised, um, over three quarters of a million dollars for orphanages, feeding centers, um, places in Thailand and thought that's what I was going to do. Um, obviously with my son type one diabetes that brought us back to the U S where I pastored a church in Florida. And that's where the spiral happened for me. It was, um, I definitely was not happy. I was in a place that I had not grown up in. I did not have the friends around me um, that I was looking for. And because we decided to have a different type of church, with which we actually started our first church in a bar, um, because of that, um, there were people around me that I had went, you know, went to seminary with, or my parents who kind of was like, yeah, that's not our style of Christendom. Therefore, um, we don't want anything to do with it. Uh, which took me in a spiral. I blew into 300 pounds. I had heart problems. Um, and so long, that's another long story. I then moved out to Arizona, became a law enforcement officer because that's what you do, which was funny. Um, and then realized that that was, there was certain parts I liked, you know, carrying a gun, driving fast, turning on lights um, and serving my community, you know, um, my goal has always been, I don't want to put you in jail. What can I do differently? Mm -hmm. um, and so because of that, certain departments do, they did not really like that avenue, which I, which I was going, you know, I didn't have the stats. Um, and so right about that time was, I was like, what's the next best thing? I was driving Uber while I was a cop and the guy got in my car who was running for governor at the time as an independent. And I was just like, this guy is awesome. He's so honest and truthful. There's no way he would ever be voted in. However, I want to work with him. And so I worked on his campaign. He inspired me to run for state Senate in District 23. Obviously, I didn't get it. Um, however, um, you know, on one, on one side, I didn't get it, was very happy with that. On the other hand, it just confirmed the belief that I had from the time I was young, which is I am not good enough. And so from that point forward, for about a year, I struggled and that led to my personal growth journey. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit because I, I feel everybody, especially, you know, all, all of us here in this room with you or on video, I should say, you know, have felt that way that we're not good enough. I mean, I go through that in my own life uh, quite often where I just don't feel that I am, even though like yourself, I've lived a colorful lifestyle. I've done a lot of things. I've achieved a lot of things, but to me, I don't count them as that relevant to me because it's not achieving the goal that I truly want to achieve, which I'm not there yet. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I'll just segue right into it. Yeah. Um, the feeling of not good enough was so deep and permeating my, permeated my life that I could not see or celebrate who I was and what the wonderful things I was doing. Um, the one thing I could celebrate was I was not going to raise my kids the way I was raised. And so I was a phenomenal dad and a great husband. Those are two things that no one could argue with me about. And so I knew that because we raised our kids differently, they would feel differently until one day I realized that did not work um, because my kids saw not, they didn't hear me. They were watching me um, for about a year before my personal growth journey almost every evening I would look at my handgun and go, what's the point of my life? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be going, Oh, I want to kill myself. I would just be going, I don't understand what the point of my life is. Mm -hmm. um, and so I came home one night, it was about uh, about midnight. I walked through my door and my son was watching, just staring intently at the TV with the TV off. He was four, 15 at the time. And I said, Garrett, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? And he looks at me slowly and he goes, no dad, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, what's going on? And he said, dad, he goes, I don't feel like I'm enough. And as my world crashed because I was like, oh, my Lord, I may not do it for me, but I'll, I will not um, allow my son at 40, 43, I was 43 at the time. I will not let my son at 43 years old be thinking or contemplating ending his life. I'm not going to do that. So what was the problem was the question. So immediately, the funny part is I immediately, I went into, I went to my computer and I said, for whatever reason, I typed out, how do I change my thinking? And then I saw this organization out of Chile and it was like 10 grand. And I'm like, and it said, we'll help you change your thinking. And I, I had no idea what that meant, <laughs> except I saw that part and I said, I'll do it. I didn't have 10 grand. However, I decided I was going to do it. So I went in and woke my wife up and I said, I said, babe, I said, I'm going to Chile. It's $10,000. And I said, if I have to sell my body to do it, that's what I'm going to do. She looked at me and she was like groggy. And she goes, babe, you'll have to sell my body for $10,000. Um, and so that was the start. The next day I was out with friends of ours and I told them that story. And he said, why don't you attend this personal growth seminar here in Scottsdale? And he mentioned the name of it. And I was like, never heard of it. He goes, Gavin. I've only told you about it a hundred times. And I said, Tim, I said, I've never heard this. He goes, no, no, I've told you, you weren't listening because you weren't ready. Now you are. Sure. So that started my personal journey. And on day two of the seminar, I learned that I was playing a victim and I liked it. I actually loved being a victim. And I, if you would have asked me that, I would have said, no way. In fact, when the facilitator said that to me, I got really angry and I got into a verbal altercation with him in front of a hundred people. And at the end of it, I said, you can't tell these people here and me that we like being a victim. And then he looked at me, he goes, Gavin, I didn't tell you, you like being a victim. And I'm like, nonsense. Of course I use some colorful language. <laughs> I said, nonsense. You said this. And he goes, I never said that. And I, I like, I can get a crowd behind me. So I stood up and I looked at the other hundred people and I said, Guys, did you hear him say, I like being a victim? Not one person raised their hand. And I was like, how is this possible? It was in that moment, he said, my question to you is, why do you like being a victim? I said, see, he said, no, no, this is the first time I'm saying it. 
you like being a victim. And through about a 30 minute conversation with just me and him in front of a hundred people, I realized I like being a victim because as long as I'm the victim, I don't have to change my thinking until somebody else does. Mm. And I realized at that moment, my dad will never change his thinking or his, what he's doing. And so that was the crux of this idea of being the victim and not feeling like I was enough. It was during the personal growth journey, I learned that I could literally change the story like that. Number one, I was created perfect. And then life happens about four or five years old. You go into it, you hear no, and it's not a no. No is like a suggestion. Um, And then something happens around 15, 16, 17, when you hear no from a girl you like, and it crushes your soul or crushed my soul. Um, And then that goes on. So then no becomes the worst feeling in the world of rejection, which then feeds the story again that says I'm not enough. Um, And so changing that story is going back to four to five years old and remembering who I was at four and five. I love to dance. I love to sing. Anyone says no, you can't have that cookie. I would go to the next person until I ended up getting it myself. So, so for me, going through that journey, um, the initial three days opened my mind up to realizing I was thinking in a box and thinking outside that box, people who are wealthy, who are successful, have figured out that the box is the worst place to be in. I mean, if you're into any religion at all, if you think of God in a box, that's a horrible thing, which is why some churches, it's not good because it's God in a box. This is what he looks like. This is what she looks like, whatever you believe in. Um, And he's not what you think he is. In fact, you should think outside the box because that is the most amazing part of this life journey, which is people who are truly successful have figured out how to think outside the box and create a bigger box. And then when they get comfortable in that box, they create a bigger box until you just are able to do anything at any time. And that has been my experience over the last two and a half years, which is open opened me up to some amazing things that I'm sure we'll talk about soon. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard when people are when talking about the box, that if you're in the box, they're going to bury you in the box. You're not Absolutely. really in the box. That's true. Yeah. I, one of the other things I talking about the box is, you know, there's this idea of growth, stability, and decay. And I believe it was Einstein that removed the stability because stability is death. Stability is decay. So a lot of us are looking, are are investing our lives into being stable, you know, being, you know, getting to the end of our life at 60 years old and retiring. And then what happens? They die. And it's like, no, because that's death. Like literal stability is decay. So you're either growing or or you're either, you know, growing, expanding, or you're dying. And there is no stability, or you're stuck in a box. And that stuck in a box is you're dead. You might as well just quit, which is why we hear a lot of people retire, die very quickly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 that whole thing. Oh wait, now I got to think about my life. <laughs> yeah, so right. And I'll tell you that segue is kind of sort of really cool into this phenomenal story that um, that I wrote in my book. Um, you know, Lois, I, she was 80, 82 years old. I picked her up while I was driving, and I. When, as soon as I picked her up, she's like 80-some years old. She has a cane. She gets in my car. She has this Little Mermaid plastic bat, backpack on. And so I looked at her. I said, Lois, I said, where are you going? She looked at me. She goes, young man, I'm going on a trip around the world. Hmm. And I was like, really? Like, that's fantastic. Like, what other places have you been? And she was like, 
She goes, young man, she goes, I've never been outside the state of Arizona. I was like, are you kidding me? So your first trip is around the world. There must be a story there. She said, there is. And this is when she started to get a little bit of energy. She said, uh, two weeks ago, I found out I have eight weeks to live. I have cancer and I'm dying. And I, I'm an empath. So immediately I'm very emotional. I'm like, I'm really sorry. She goes, oh, I was mad. I said, I can imagine. She goes, however, I was not mad that I'm dying. She said, I got an Uber to go home. And she said, I started thinking about my life. And she said, I realized I just spent 80 plus years of my life living for everybody else. Mm. And I'm listening going, oh my God, because this was like, I, I was a cop. I wasn't happy. This all happened in a very, very short amount of time with each other. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then she said, I'll be damned if I let one more second go by not living my life's passion. And as we're pulling into Sky Harbor Airport, she says to me, she goes, uh, she goes, yeah, she goes, for 80 plus years, I was worried about what my mom would think, my dad would think, my church would think, God would think. Mm -hmm. And she goes, the whole time I'm not living my life's passion. So I went to open up the door and I just had a thought to ask her. I said, um, I said, Lois, what's the life lesson in this? And I remember her looking at me and she became this very strong woman in that moment. She said, young man, she said, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. She goes, you have one life to live and it's up to you to live your life well. And then she turned around and walked away. Mm. Now she ended up dying on that trip. And there's two stories there, right? Number one, she finally lived her life. However, how much time was wasted worrying and being fearful about what everybody else was thinking. And that is not what she was called to do. That was not why she was born. She was born to do something amazing. And she waited for the end of her life to really go out and live life passionately. And I swore that day that I would not be that. And so that became the search. And I, to be honest with you, I didn't know what to do. I just knew I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. And so part of that is being ready to grow and to move and to be willing to go. I am willing to do anything. And when I say anything, I mean, I had to be ready to do anything and willing to do anything because when you are, opportunities come and you better not say no because each opportunity is a gift. It's a gift given to you. When you're talking about this right here, this kind of reminds me of a conversation I just recently had with two other individuals as well as uh, some family members within about within me on I had everything planned out saying, okay, I'm going to go ahead and have seven more years of engineering. And then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to retire at the age of 60. I'm going to go ahead and purchase a house. I'm going to have that thing paid off in five years. So then I can, and then bank all that money so I can retire. And then uh, one of my friends said, that's fine. It sounds great if you're 20 years old, but you're, you're, you're 48 years old, man. And he was all looking at it. Where do I hear you living your life? And he yeah. said, basically, if you get a house, who cares? Who's going to end up? You don't have any dependents, you know, and you're not married. So the thing is, buy your house. Don't have to worry about paying it off. And because you get a 30-year mortgage, by you get your house at, say, 50, you're going to be 80 years old. So the thing is, is like you'll eventually live your life, go out and travel, have these experiences. Because I could definitely tell you that when I got divorced four years ago, that I said to myself, I'm going to go on, uh, I'm going to go on a trip. I was hearing this country song. It says somewhere on a beach. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that. I yeah. was like, 
it was like reminiscing, thinking like, okay, this is the, this is me and what happened in this guy's life. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Cancun. Well, it took me four years to go to, to go to Jamaica. And I never been anywhere outside of the country besides doing a weightlifting competition that I wasn't in a relationship. So I went by myself. I had an amazing time. And then, and then I kind of realized that I have this freedom and I have this experiences of life that I want to do. And then Corona hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if I can segue onto that, that is, um, th that's, it's amazing that you did that. And I would say Corona is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. just, just because Corona happened does not mean that, 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 that experience or that journey is over. And in fact, it might be the time to put the pedal to the metal because there will always be a Corona. Yep. There will always be a divorce. There will always be a marriage. There will always be a girl. There will always be a guy. There will always be kids. And those are, that's some of the things that, I mean, I would challenge all of us, honestly, because I'm doing it next week is to have a day of yes, mm. no matter what. Now that takes some guts, no matter what, you get asked to do something, you say yes. You want to talk about excitement? That's some excitement. And don't let anything stop you. So for me, Corona really just expanded my opportunities. And I'm seeing things now that I never saw before. I've seen people make more money in Corona than they did before. And I'm like, that is amazing. Like my wife went, she's a nurse. And so I, we, my wife, our whole family got Corona earlier on about, it was early March. And then a few months, a few weeks later, she went to, uh, she went to um, um, New Jersey and New York and it just became an opportunity for us. She went out there, she developed some relationships out there. There's a story in my book about her going out there. And so I just decided that no matter what happens. And by the way, I, I, I say it as if I've got this all together. It is still a journey for me because I was a certain way for 43 years of my life. And so sometimes I need to get knocked upside the head by some really good friends of mine who are in personal growth, who hold me accountable that say, hey, dude, like, you know, you're playing a victim right now. Or, you know, what about that dream of launching your book? Or what about the dream of connecting with a long lost family member that you haven't talked to in over nine years? Like those are things that I think is important with personal growth is to come uh, to surround ourselves with people. What we, you know, I've heard, you know, show me if you show me your friend, the first, the closest five people in your, in your life, I will show you your life because we do hang around people who, you know, we look like and act like and sound like and are because we're comfortable. So the yes is to be, to go outside of our comfort zone. And that is fun. I'm telling you, I've done it once already fantastic it's you i challenge you to do it and just be willing like it's insane i love it i can definitely resonate with everything you're saying because i feel that uh myself like when i was talking about the corona aspect felt like i was collapsing inward yep. yeah and then hearing it from the, but then also too there was a story behind it because yeah of family members knowing that they are susceptible so yep. i was yep. basically figuring stay isolated so I could still be able to have the relationship with my with my family yeah and yeah that's one thing that I've realized it was it was a beautiful thing where we're playing board games you know with yep. my 
and just seeing them growing because I was able to see them through the, when they were babies, now they're the 20 years old, graduated. One of them is going to become a, uh, getting his doctorate in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in uh, physical therapy. So mm. you kind of seeing these things and it's like, these are experiences. However, I kind of feel like what you've been talking about is not really truly living my life because mm. of playing, uh, when you were talking about playing the victim or the people pleasing, doing yep. all the people things to, to make people happy and yeah. realizing saying, am I making myself happy? Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a good point because I had a pastor friend of mine who pastored a very large church and he was resigning. And usually if a pastor leaves a really good church like that, something has happened. Mm-hmm. And for him, he's like, no, nothing's happened. He goes, I just, I figured out that um, empty people don't lead well. For those of us who are, who are givers, sure. we give so much that we're empty and then we have nothing left to give. And one of the things I had to do is I had to go back and go, I need to learn to be selfish about me. I need to make sure that I, my, my cup is full and don't let it get below a certain amount because then I'm not able to serve the people that I truly love. And so because of that, that is one thing in the last two years that I have really focused on is self-care. It is going out and doing meditation. It is realizing when I get to a place where, you know what, I need to expand my idea of God. Um, what is that like? Who is he? Who does he sound like? Like, what is it that he wants me to do? Um, and that's what I have used. And so that's why for me, learning to do that has allowed me to expand my relationships and expand your relationship to people who are up here versus down here, who don't suck you dry when you walk in a room, they actually give you, they inspire you to live your best life and they hold you accountable to it. Like they will literally go, what are you doing? You said, this is what you want. Now go buy that ticket and get out of here. I mean, I've seen some crazy things over the last two years of people holding each other accountable, co-holding each other accountable to what they say they want, whether it's like literally going out and buying a Chevy Corvette. Like that's insane. Or taking a trip the next day. I literally, um, I was, I'd been talking to some friends of ours, um, some accountability partners that I have in the personal growth, growth era. And I've always been talking about, I wish I had a better relationship with my parents. I haven't talked to them in years. It, it ended up on a really bad note. And so one of the goals I had by November 18th was, and this was a couple months ago, was to have a sit down clearing conversation face to face with my mom. And so I made that decision and I haven't done it in two years. I did with my dad and not done it with my mom. And so I was talking with a coach and I mentioned that and, and he, and he goes to me, he goes, well, well, what are you waiting for? I'm like, well, I, I have till the November 18th. And I remembered someone saying to me one time, the best time to do the right thing is 20 years ago. Right. The next best time is right now. Mm-hmm. And he got off the phone, hung up the phone. And I was like, well, crap. So I literally, this is true story. I literally, sorry about that. I'm not sure what happened. I, I literally went to my computer, looked for the next, uh, looked for the next um, uh, flight, which was the next day, 7 a.m. in the morning. My parents had just come back from Thailand, which is what I used as an excuse that they were in Thailand. It would be a 14-day quarantine. <laughs> I flew to San Francisco. I showed up. True story. I showed up. I had my mask on. I had flowers. 
I knew she was going to slam the door in my face. She came in. She goes, do you have my package? She thought I was the FedEx guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, no, it's Gavin. And she invited me in. We had a lunch. And and I was able to tell her two things that I had wanted to say for a really long time. The first one was that I really care. In spite of everything, I cared. And the second thing was I told my mom for the first time in nine years, I said, I love you. And I really meant it. And it was the most beautiful experience I had had till that point. And it was, I kind of kicked myself a little bit because I don't celebrate very well sometimes when I do wonderful things. I kind of kicked myself that I waited so long to have a conversation to rebuild a relationship that was relationship that was vital to me. And so I resonate with what you said, just going out, do it. You know what? What? I mean, I won the moment I got on the airplane. I won the moment I knocked on the door. Yeah. It wasn't about her response. It was about me going, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to fight through the fear that has controlled my life. And I have personal growth. Like this wasn't a preacher telling me this is how I, li- I need to live my life. This was a group of personal growth people who real- helped me realize that I already do the answer. It was just hidden in here. So these people didn't tell me, do this, do this, do this. They asked me, what do you want? And then they held me accountable to it. I love that. I love that because I think most people don't hold each other accountable because we want uh, answers from someone. Speaking as an engineer, we we want certain things. We do this, cause and effect type of thing. Instead of it being where... uh, People know that we all know everything's inside. Just like when you said earlier about we're already born perfect. We are. We're born perfect. Yeah. And, and it's the conditions and all that other stuff that we develop through our life that has made us the way we are to have all these limited beliefs. And yes. when you eliminate all that crap, then you can really truly live your true authentic self of who you really are. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's, it's crazy how the universe is doing this, how God, whatever you believe in, is doing this. Because that segues into, we, we are not able to live the life that we were supposed to live until we lose certain things, certain beliefs. And so what's crazy is one of the things that I opened my mind up to was I was willing to do anything in this personal growth journey. And in fact, um, one of the things that personal growth people do is they set big goals and then they're held accountable to them. And I've always wanted to take a personal growth, like a, like a spiritual journey that was aside from the four walls and the steeple, you know, or the temple or the synagogue. It was something that was just me and whatever that looks like. And I was willing to refer to be anything and everything. And so I was talking with a, a friend of mine and for whatever reason, they mentioned a spiritual journey, a medicine called ayahuasca. Let me tell you something. First of all, I had never been high a day in my life. I've never done drugs. Um, Being a former police officer, that was obviously frowned upon. Um, And in religion, obviously that is too. And so what I did was I called a friend of mine who I know does this and, and knows people. And so he got me in contact with a shaman and so they had to meet me because they wanted to make sure that I was legit and I really was prepared for it. And I was already on a personal growth journey when it comes to my physical. Because I was, um, I was at that time, I was 240 some odd pounds. And my target goal is 210. Mm-hmm. And I've always 
attempted to lose weight and I was never able to. So I was already on a vegetable and water diet only specifically. I won't tell you what vegetable it is. If you want to ask me later, I will. Um, and so I only eat that vegetable and water with pepper and cayenne, no butter, nothing, no salt, nothing. And I started losing weight like crazy. So I was already on this diet. So when they asked me, you know, there's a diet that you have to go through, you know, and I'm like, I'm already doing that. Like I'm I literally like I right now I'm at 209.7. So I've lost 30 pounds in approximately six weeks and I feel phenomenal. I feel great. Um, best thing I've ever done. One of the best things I've ever done. So I go to this ceremony, I go in there and, you know, there's a process that you go through and I'll tell you, talking about dying to, you know, having these things die. I died. I had, I had two intentions. One, I wanted to meet God. I wanted to experience who he was or who she was. I was willing for it to be anything. Mm. And I wanted to understand my purpose, my, my divine purpose. Why am I here? Because I've always known there's a purpose here. And it wasn't to have fun, although fun I wanted to, I definitely wanted to do it, have fun. It was not to work a job. It wasn't work, work a nine to five. It wasn't, there was something deeper because I had always already tried those things. And so um, I'm sitting there and I take the medicine. It took a couple of times and I died. I remember sitting there and then I remember nothing else. And I, I knew I was dead. It was black. I saw like scary things and it was like, I knew they couldn't harm me because I was stronger than them. There's, there's a symbolism there actually. And I realized I had to, I had to let go. I had to let go of that ego. And it's, it's called the death of the ego. Mm. And that's exactly what I did. I let it go. Um, for a split second, I fought it. And then I realized this is what I want. I, and in order to meet the divine, self has to die. In order to see our per eternal purpose, we have to get rid of those things that have, that have filled us up since the time we were young, you know, four or five years old from that point forward. Right. And so I did. Mm. And as soon as I did, that's when I met God. That's when I experienced what that is. And it was crazy because in the moment of meeting the divine, I figured out my purpose. And so the two and a half journeys culminated in me going, wow, I've known my purpose since I was four. And it's not complicated. God is not complicated. Whatever you believe that God is a higher power, whatever you believe, it's not complicated. In fact, it will surprise you what he, she, it looks like. It will blow you away. And I'm not going to share with you only because you deserve your own experience with that. And then once I figured out who that was, immediately, like split second, I saw my purpose. And I, was, I have no problem sharing with you my purpose. My ultimate purpose was something I've learned from when I was four years old. When I was four years old, I would walk into a room and I would feel an overabundance of love. Like for whatever reason, God had gifted me with love that just is unconditional. And I've always been that way. I've been married to my wife for 22 years. And there's been plenty of times that we could have divorced. However, I've been gifted with unconditional love. And I will tell you, there is nothing more powerful than unconditional love because most of us have conditions, right? Mm -hmm. If you do this, I'm done. If you look like this, I'm done. If you sound like this, I'm done. If you have this religion, I'm done. If you're black, if you're white, if you're purple, if you're green, I'm done. We all have these conditions. 
And so to be able to go in and go, I have unconditional love for people, even people that hurt me, that's, and I realized that in that moment. And it, and it was in that moment that my whole life made sense. It made sense why, you know, I was able to succeed in certain things. So it was the purpose. So the ayahuasca journey was fantastic. Um, people have asked me, should I do it? And I always say, no, I go, why not? I said, because it has to be your choice. I don't want to influence you into doing something because the reality is when your self dies, when your ego dies, it is painful because I've had this ego for 40, I had this ego for 45 years and it is painful to give up those things. But I will promise you this, you give up the ego, anything is possible. You give up the belief system that you're not good enough. Oh my Lord you become powerful in ways that you can, I mean, you, um, you, it's not possible for you to imagine because I am good enough. I am amazing. I am love. I am powerful. And all I have to do is tap into that energy and then anything is possible. The things that I have done in my personal growth journey will literally blow your mind. The things that I've seen other people do who believe in this personal growth, that they are enough, they are powerful, they are loving, they are kind, they are gentle, is amazing. And then you put all these people together, it will change the world. And that is, that is, that is fantastic. Like in a world where people are hating each other right now, they don't like each other, they don't like each other, the way each other sounds, they don't like who we voted for, they don't like this, they don't like that. To have a group of people who truly, truly have unconditional love for each other and are holding each other accountable, I promise you, will change your world. Change, it changed mine, changed my marriage, changed my kids. Um, has my, like it's, it's just fantastic. Gavin, I, I just love this story. It was just, I felt chills down my back just, you know, hearing you talk about this. And your experience that you went through is so inspirational and motivating. And it really wants me to just start taking more action in my life, just hearing your story alone. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. I know we could probably talk all night long about this, but we're getting close to our end of our show here. And I want you to share a little bit about this book you wrote. It's called Encountering humans through the rear view mirror is that correct in, in, in the rear view mirror in the rear view, yeah can you share a little bit about that i know you share some yeah. stories already but a little bit more in detail yeah essentially it's about people's purpose like that every encounter there's a purpose there there is something deeper there and unfortunately so many times we we don't we don't take advantage of that and so while i was driving uber i would ask the question after uh, Lois, I would ask the question, what is what is a life lesson you could give me? Or another one I'd say is, what is something you would tell your five-year-old self? Sure. And the stories that I would hear, I would write about. And so there were certain crazy things that happened. I mean, you have to read the book. However, essentially, it is essentially there are positive life lessons that I have learned from people. And with that, and in seeing people for who who they are, not for what they do. So whether it's a drug dealer, a drug, you know, someone who's going to rehab, someone who just got out of prison, we have a tendency to see people for what they do. And that's about doing. And if we're always focused on doing, whether in our own life or other people's life, it's never enough. However, if we focus on people and who they are being, that's a different story. So essentially the book 
strives to do that, which is how are you being, who are you as a person, and then take any situation, any story, any person that I met and help them to see the positive in them, which then interestingly helped me to see the positive in myself and vice versa. Seeing the positive in myself would help me to see the positive in other people. So that's what it's about. Um, it will be released on Amazon. Um, I believe it's December the 12th. Um, so you can go and search on it. You can, you can actually pre-order the um, online version now. Um, the printed version will, will be released at the same time. However, you can't pre-order the, um, the online or the, uh, the ebook or the, the, sorry, you cannot pre-order the printed version yet. However, if you let me know, if you type in encountering humans on Facebook, um, it's on there, send me a quick message. Um, I'll respond, get you on the list. Um, we had the launch yesterday, which was fantastic. That was another personal growth thing. Um, and so, yeah, that's what the book is about. Um, it's the first of three that I'm doing. The first one is called Encountering Humans in, in the Rearview Mirror. The second one is called Encountering Humans in Places of Worship. And not to let the cat out of the bag, I dress up as a bum, and then I go in undercover into church services, synagogues, Jewish synagogues, Islamic mosques, Buddhist temples, and I record right about how they treat someone who is less than. And uh, so the whole idea is to help people see people that no matter where you are, there's phenomenal people. There really is. And there people have kind hearts. So that's essentially what it, uh, what it is about. Before I do give it back to you, I just want to say for those of you guys, of you who are, who are watching, my heart is that you look at personal growth because, because if, if you do not, you are giving away some amazing gifts. There are so many different things out there. Do be careful. However, there are some amazing things out there. Open your heart to any and all possibility. It's crazy what happens when you tell the universe or tell God, I'm willing to do anything, seriously. And if you want to know my journey, you can contact me directly. I'm super transparent, super authentic. I don't get anything for it. I don't, I don't work for any of them. I'm just a firm believer in it. And I would love to share with you my journey and the path that I took. There are many paths out there. This is the path I took and this is what worked for me. No, I mean, this is absolutely amazing that you've gone through the time and the effort to really reach people through this book that you wrote. And I mean, I'm looking forward to reading it myself and hearing about a lot of these stories. Are you planning to do anything else with the book? Go, you know, do a speaking series or anything of that nature? Yeah, that is um, because I have spoken in my past, like I've spoken in churches, you know, places of worship and stuff like that. Um, if anyone would like to meet me to come to your place of work or even your home, um, it's, it's what I do. I promise you it will be entertaining. I've got lots of stories. Um, and, um, and it's, for me, it's, I want to inspire people to live their best life. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and by the way, we can always do more. I do meet some people who are like, oh, I've already done that. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. That's great. That's awesome. I open my, my heart up and I'm willing to learn anything and everything because there's so much opportunity and so much potential out there. So contact me. I will open it up. If you want me to come and speak uh, to your business, like I said, to your church, even to your place of worship, even um, 
it's it's amazing how, what God has put in my heart, and so I would love. I and I'm all about sharing it because I have a, a heart full of love, unconditional love uh, for people because I love me, and and mm. and that wasn't always that way. I love who I am. I love who I've become, um, and I want to share that with people. Well, Gabby, you truly have been an inspiration to all of us here tonight. And we look forward to seeing you down your journey to see where else it leads you. So we're very excited about that. And we just love the fact that once again, we have another extraordinary being that we brought on our show to share their gifts to the world. This thank is you, Len. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I just want to say thank you, Len. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Fred, uh, for inviting me on. This has been enjoyable. I will come on your show anytime you want. That sounds fantastic, but we always try to make it a great time. So we, and we definitely would love to have you back again, Gavin. So this is Linda Carmine, your coach and host with the Extraordinary Being Movement. I want to thank everybody for being here with us tonight. You can always catch us at theextraordinarybeingmovement.com and you can get us on YouTube at uh, ebmtvlive.com. But before I go, I, let, I need to say, tell my two best friends here, and they can say goodbye too. Chris, what do you got to say? Oh, thank you for letting me say goodbye, Len. Everybody, thank you so much for the for being here to watch uh, Gavin. Uh, Gavin's actually one of the people that has made an impact on me. I only had one uh, lunch with him and his wife, and I was immediately impressed. It's, it's not every day you meet people who are, you know, what's the right word? They've done the work. Mm. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Chris. And Fred Martinez, what's your final last words? I want to say I was definitely moved with this, right? You can feel the energy. You can feel like you're enlightened when you're having this conversation. So the one thing I want to say is not only be extraordinary, be legendary. <laughs> Fred Martinez, you move mountains. I love having you here with us. Thank you so much, sir. And Gavin, once again, Thank you for your time, your energy, and the gifts that you have to share with us. We wish everybody a good night. We'll talk to you soon. Good night.